Pastor Henry Harder, the Renewal Singers, and I, Ed Peters, welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We move on today to Romans chapter 6. In chapter 5, we discovered that sin has come through the headship of Adam and that sanctification comes through the headship of Christ. Because of the natural headship of Adam, sin was imputed to the human family. But there is another head of the human family, and that is Christ. He brings life and righteousness. He removes the guilt of sin from us. And on that basis, he can move into the lives of those who trust in him and begin to make them righteous. That is, he can begin to make them good. Up to chapter 6, Paul does not discuss the holy life of the believer. From chapter 6 on, Paul does not discuss the salvation of the sinner. He wasn't talking about the believer and the life that he is to live when he was discussing salvation, but now he is discussing that. Therefore, the subject of this chapter is the ability of God to make sinners whom he has declared righteous actually righteous. He shows that the justified sinner cannot continue in sin because he died and rose again in Christ. The believer has a new nature now, and he is to obey God. This section delivers us from the idea that a believer can do as he pleases. Union with Christ in his death and resurrection means that he is now our Lord and Master. He gives us freedom, but that freedom is not license, as we are going to see. Now here are the opening four verses of Romans chapter 6, and Paul writes, Well then, shall we keep on sinning so that God can keep on showing us more and more kindness and forgiveness? Of course not. Should we keep on sinning when we don't have to? For sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians and were baptized to become a part of Jesus Christ. Through his death, the power of your sinful nature was shattered. Your old sin-loving nature was buried with him by baptism when he died, and when God the Father, with glorious power, brought him back to life again, you were given his wonderful new life to enjoy. God be Thank you. 
Paul tells us in verse 4 that we are buried with Christ by baptism unto death. But just as we are identified with Christ in his death, we are also identified with Christ in his resurrection. We are joined today with a living Christ. In other words, our sins have already been judged. We have already been raised and we are already with Christ in heaven. This is one of the great truths of the Christian life. Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. In the first five chapters of the book of Romans, Paul has answered questions such as, Why is salvation necessary? Who needs it? Who has provided it? What has God done to effect it? And how can a human get it? We've talked about those questions in the past broadcasts. What is left? While justification doesn't end life, life continues after a person receives the life of Christ, that is, Christ's righteousness. A believer in Christ still lives in a sinful world. He still has a bent towards sin, a sinful nature. So Paul now writes about the Christian's life, or walk, that's after salvation or justification. His standing before God is in Christ. There is no time in this life or in the next when the believer's standing before God in terms of righteousness will be any greater than immediately after he receives Christ. God gives that person Christ's life. At that point, and that never diminishes, that is the Christian's standing. In experience, things are different. His actual condition or state is different from his position or standing before God. As soon as a person receives Christ, a process of growth begins. That process is called practical sanctification. That process begins at conversion, at salvation. The Christian grows towards God's righteousness. Perfect sanctification comes at the moment of death when the believer steps from time into eternity. The old prone-to-sin nature is left behind, and the believer is fully conformed to the image of God in Christ. It is at that point that man's standing conforms with his state. It is at that point that the believer's practice conforms to his position. But let's hear Paul. The first four verses of chapter 6 of Romans. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that... Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The question, shall we keep on sinning that grace may increase, is almost too ridiculous to consider. Paul's answer is, by no means, or may it never be. This is a very strong statement in the Greek in which it was written. Now the question is, why not? It seems so logical. The Russian monk Gregory Rasputin suggested that Christians should not be just ordinary sinners, 
they should sin greatly, because then God could display more grace and forgiveness. It felt so good to be forgiven. Paul says, no, God's grace was never designed to promote and encourage sin. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So reason number one is that the Christian has a new life, Christ's life. Therefore, the Christian has died to sin. Death is not extinction, it is separation. Death to sin is to be separated from its power. That occurs at a definite point in time. The Greek tense of the verb died here tells us that. We died to sin at a specific point in time. At the point we received Christ, that death took place. We were separated from sin's power. Since that is true, Paul's question is, how could you live in it any longer? God can't want you to live in sin because you died to it. So it's ridiculous to suggest that we go on sinning that God's grace may increase. That's an inherent contradiction. It is logically impossible to want to go on sinning. A person who has within him the life and the righteousness of Christ will find it intolerable to live a life dominated by sin. This does not mean that the believer won't commit a single sin. Notice Paul does not say that sin has died, as far as the Christian is concerned. Now, Paul surfaces a symbol that teaches that we died with Christ. That symbol is baptism. When we received Christ, we died with him, were buried with him, and were resurrected with him to a new life. It should be emphasized that baptism is a symbol. It does not accomplish union with Christ. Baptism does nothing regarding salvation. It is a symbol of salvation in the Christian life. Being buried attests to the fact of death. Christ died to settle the sin question. We die with him. He was buried. So are we in symbol. He was raised to a new life so are we. When we receive him, we get his resurrected, eternity-type life. Evidently, Paul did not regard baptism as peripheral or optional for the Christian. In New Testament times, baptism immediately followed confession of faith in Christ. The only exception was at Ephesus, and there were extenuating circumstances. Having the resurrected life of Christ and symbolizing it with baptism, how could anyone want to go on sinning? The very idea was preposterous. Sin could never glorify God, nor would His grace ever be increased by sin. Walk in Christ's new life is Paul's challenge to us all.
News, a radio production of Creative Encounters or mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.